Hello and welcome to Gifts of the Word. Weird. I am John, your host, and I am really excited today because back with us after a couple of years, or at least a year, we haven't, we didn't figure it out yet, is Chris Allen. Hi, Chris. Uh, great to have you with us. Hi, it's good to appear again. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Chris has been studying witchcraft, magic, and paganism since 1992. He's the founder and ordained minister with the Fellowship of the Phoenix and is also a Native American pipe carrier and studies the path of the Red Road. Uh, he teaches classes, workshops on magic, healing, shamanism, and necromancy. He is the author of Underworld, Shaman, Shamanism, Myth, and Magic. Deeper into the Underworld, Death, Ancestors, and Magical Rites, and Upperworld, Shamanism, and Magic of the Celestial Realms. Chris has been on the podcast before, as I mentioned, and I'm glad to have him back to talk about his latest work, The Black Book of Jonathan Notbristle, which is his first book with Cross Crows Books. Hey there, welcome back. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like a, it's like a tongue twister, isn't it? It, it is all of those um, uh, underworld, upper world, deeper into, and all that. A lot of stuff going on there, and I've traveled those worlds with you, so uh, that's always been very fun as well. Yeah, it's interesting because um, that was what? How many years ago I wrote that? And and I was actually going to I hate to say quit, but I was I felt like I had this a complete series and I wasn't going to write anything else. And then here we are <laughs> still going. Yeah. So uh, this, the, so there's, there's a longer title. I just call it the black book of Jonathan, not bristle, but it's a devil's <laughs> parable <laughs> and guide for witches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, this is really quite an interesting book. I was really, I wasn't sure what it was uh, when I first, when you first reached out to me and I first uh, saw the title and, and all that, I was like, okay um <laughs> what is this is a, you know and then we got a chance to start reading it so i really had a, a great time reading it actually and once i once i kind of figured out the direction of it once i once i once it cued me into what the parable was right. <laughs> and the 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 storytelling method uh, i was able to t- sort of release a little bit of the what is this about? What am, what's the direction? <laughs> and really just enjoy it. And I did. Chris, this is really a, a nice book. So before we get going, maybe you could expand a little bit on your magical practices and, and what you're doing. Uh, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, if you want to elaborate on anything, if not, we'll just keep going. Yeah. So, you know, I I hate them when people say, oh, I'm eclectic because I feel like, oh, you just pick anything. But <laughs> so, yeah, my personal practice is a lot of tra- traditional witchcraft um, with heathenism. I try to blend the two. So I do a lot of sage and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then I do, you know, shamanism and in energy and healing and all, all kinds of things. I, I, I work with the local Lakota group here in Chicago. Um, yeah. And okay. <laughs> that's great. Well, let's talk about this book because this is a really interesting book for me. Um, and I find it a really refreshing approach to the craft. And I find it a really refreshing book. And I found it 
very easy to work through as well or to to read through it was very engaging and i felt like that i could just sit down and, and read a chapter if that's all i had time for or if i wanted to keep going on i found it very easy to do that so great writing style was first of all i wanted to say so thanks for that because you wrote it in a way that is to me a very nice way to pull pull a person through the story mm -hmm. um you know um First, I have to give a cross books their props because those guys are great. I love them. <laughs> um, very professional. Um, I'm impressed by everything that they do, and um, I love them to death. They're actually like, and I, I'm not just saying the history. They're actual friends of mine. Um, and when when they approach me to to do a book, I think at the time, like they had just started and they've only signed like two authors or something like that, two or three. And they're like, hey, Chris, we want you to write a book. And and at the time I was in, in the thick of a, a graduate program. And, you know, when you write a magical book um, between the research and the, and the of writing and your day job, it takes about a year start to finish, mm -hmm. roughly. And I just didn't have that time to, uh, to give to a book. And so I said, you know, let me think about something. Um, let me see what I can come up with and we'll go from there. And then it hit me. Um, you know, I told you I worked a lot with the uh, Lakota community and in indigenous practices, they don't just say, here's how you do this and here's how you do that. Um, they use a lot of teaching stories. And so um, through being inspired by that, I thought, you know, what if instead of writing your uh, regular how-to book, what if I weave the information into a story? So um, in my tradition, I work a lot with uh, the ancestors and the witch ancestors and so forth. And, um, you know, I basically, through trance and meditation and journey work, said, okay, uh, you guys helped me write this story, and they did. They, they through like a trance and journey work, they kind of um, showed me a path to write, and I was inspired. And you know, I've had people ask if the book was channeled, and it isn't. It isn't channeled. It isn't channeled, but it is um, inspired by a lot of the ancestral spirits. I've worked with, um, especially, you know, I'm from Texas. And so I also wanted to have a, a Southern flair in there. So, <laughs> so that's how the book kind of came to be and was, uh, uh, created. And it was kind of a, a, a risk because I even have, I haven't seen anyone, um, to do anything like this in a long, long time. So I kind of wanted to take a risk and see how it it worked. And, and, and so, so far I'm hearing good things about it. Well, I think it was a great risk. And <laughs> I don't think I've seen anything 
crafted in this way to talk about magic or magical practices in any kind of a, a, a tradition uh, doesn't mean they're not there. It just means I, I don't recall running into them or reading uh, about them or anything like that. So this was a very unique approach to me and very interesting. So it's really interesting that he, uh, you mentioned earlier that you were like, okay, I've written these underworld books and I, I having read them and, and worked with you on them on, uh, on a few occasions, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into those. So I can imagine how you yeah. probably were feeling like, okay, I'm done writing for a while, especially about magical things. And then this came up. So I, uh, yeah. I think that this is a great opportunity and how nice that it came. What was the, the reception like when you broached this idea to uh, Crosscrow <laughs> and mentioned it to them? And were they like, you're in crazy, just do a regular two book or what? So one of the things I really appreciate um, appreciate about those guys is is that they're a gung ho for anything, and plus they trust me and they go me and they've been to my ceremonies, they've been to my rituals, that they've seen me uh, teach workshops, so they so they trust that that I know what I'm doing. Uh, to, uh, to be honest, before I wrote the book, I pitched it, and they were like, "Hey, they have something cool." And the th- one of the other thing about Cross Crow is they are really interested in doing things that other people aren't. Mm-hmm. So when I told them, "Hey, here's something that's crazy," they're like, "Okay, let's try it." And so. <laughs> They liked it, and 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 to be honest, I I keep hearing really good things about it, and um, like I really enjoyed it, but and I hate to say surprise, I'm happily surprised that everyone is enjoying it because I wasn't sure which way it was gonna go because you know when you write a story or anything, people could love it or hate it, um. However, some of the things I'm hearing is that the um, main character, Jonathan, is a very um, relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and one of the th- things that didn't, it didn't occur to me until someone uh, said something is, you know, it's a first account story. So it's almost like a journal or something like that. And when Jonathan... Uh, is having his adventures or whatever and and doing his spells and things you get to see his thought process and i had a few people reach out to me and say hey you know i had the exact same thought process i thought i was the only one who thought that so it was good to see a character who was thinking the exact same thing i was thinking and i was like huh i never thought of that before that People could relate in that way, so yeah, I. It's uh, it's. I'm getting very good feedback about how the characters, um, is approachable and relatable to everyone who's reading it, as well as should be. So before we go on, people are probably wondering what the heck are you guys talking about? Can you give us a short overview 
of the book. Now, don't don't spoil anything because we want people. To... <laughs> there are things. There were things I was thinking. Oh, we can talk to Chris about this, and I'll ask him about this. And then I thought, oh wait, no, I don't want to do that. I want people to find that out when they're reading it because it's really cool. Yeah. So, um, so would you be up for that? Uh, just a, sure. just a short overview. What is the book about? So the um, setup. The setup of the uh, book, it takes place in 1870 um, in Texas. It doesn't ever say that. However, it's Texas. Um, this uh, uh, 15-year-old boy has some family tragedy, and he's finding himself alone and without food or help or anything like that. So the devil uh, comes. And 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 offers him the power of the witch, and so out of desperation, he takes those powers, and then the book is him. It's actually twofold. It's 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 him learning how to be a witch and cast spells and things, but it's also him growing up a little bit about being mature and and having these experiences because how I was always taught about magic and witchcraft is it isn't just about the technique. It's also about you having a human tangible experience. And Jonathan does. And, and he has... Um, there's lots of characters. At one point, it kind of felt like Game of Thrones because you had so many characters coming <laughs> and going. Uh, but there's an overarching there's an overarching theme. It takes, like I said, it takes place in a small town, and and um, in each of the chapters, there's like two. There's about two or three magical techniques, and some of them are. I want to say. Has simplistic but accessible, and then you have some that are a little more advanced, like shape shifting and spirit boxes and and things like that. And then um, learning to see fate and th- and and all kinds of things. Um, and the book is in two parts. The first part is the actual story with the spells, and the second part is just. The spells themselves, so kind of like a small uh, book of spells in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent, great description, and did not give anything away. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and it it is interesting because uh, it took me a while to figure out the time period, and I think I think it actually wasn't until like halfway through the book or a little bit somewhere along there that you actually pin down the year. And it felt to me like it might have been, you know, in a different century. Yeah. But then again, it also felt very contemporary as well in, yeah. in, in its way. So I I didn't feel like I was out of place or out of time. It just really merged together. I mean, I started thinking about it later. I'm like, why is he not talking about a cell phone or Instagram? Or, <laughs> <you know? laughs> Wait a second here. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> This is a book without social media? Are you kidding? Oh, my God. Uh, but no, I really found that interesting. So it takes place in Texas, and you're from Texas. And it definitely has a very Southern feel, and mm-hmm. especially in the way that you wrote the book. So you did mention, and I'm, I'm, ta- I'm 
looping back a little bit before we go on, you did mention that it is written in first person. I love mm -hmm. that because you really, I really felt like, and I think our re your readers will feel like they're experiencing the journey with Jonathan rather than being on the outside watching it or or reading about it. You know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, when I wrote the book in my head, I kept thinking, you know, Jonathan is in his elder years. And he's in his rocking chair drinking a glass of um, whiskey and he's smoking his tobacco pipe and he's telling his students a story, you know, and, and that's how I pictured it. And, you know, and in every chapter, I just kept seeing Jonathan in his rocking chair smoking a pipe, telling me his adventures and things. And, and um, you know, there is a Southern accent. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I liked how you wrote the the accent as part of the the actual writing. You wrote it out. You you phonetically wrote it out rather than yeah yeah. Out. He's from the south. He's from this area in the south. But I'm just going to write it regularly, and you have to apply what you think <laughs> the accent is in your head. No, I mean a lot of that's how a lot of books are written, uh, except for occasionally they're they might phonetically spell out a word so that it's clear when someone's speaking, but here the entire thing is written that way. So I, I felt that that would, that helped get you into the placement of it. And to me kind of bring you into the, the story a lot more as experiencing it through Jonathan's eyes than if it was not done that way. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, where I got the idea from was um, Hemingway. Oh, I remember mm -hmm. reading a, a book. I want to say it was The Old Man in the Sea or something like that to where someone had a very strong, I want to say, a Jamaican accent. And I remember as a kid thinking that was the coolest thing in the world. Like, I just thought that was neat. So, so I was kind of thinking, you know... Instead of like, you know, like you said, just making people come up with their own accent, just write the accent down. And I remember telling the editor, it's like, okay, I know this is going to go against everything you know about editing, mm -hmm. uh, but I want you to fight the instinct. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of it is if you've ever spent some time like in the south especially in the deep place in the south like where i'm from there's no there's no grammar there's no mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean there's a lot of of words that don't make, make sense like for example i'm not even sure if i use this word but a word like fixing a lot of people are like what are you fixing i'm like we're not fixing anything i'm about to i'm a I'm mm -hmm. fixing to leave. I'm about to leave. It's just a southern thing, and and if I and and you have to have the accent, or else it doesn't come across the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Chris, did you base this perhaps on people that you grew up with or that you know? You don't have to say their names, but I'm just saying, so, were, were there were there inspirations for this this mm -hmm. cadence or this or Jonathan himself? So, um. So yes and no. So the the accent I base it on my family. That's mm -hmm. exactly how we talk. Like one hundred percent how we talk. Um, as in the characters, the no. All the characters were just their own thing. Um, okay. I mean, I'm sure like people I I met from time to time kind of creeped in there and things like that. But 
I wasn't saying, oh, this is so-and-so or this is my uncle. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything like that. So it kind of seems like this journey for him took place like over a year, right? Mm -hmm. was, That's I, right. If I got that. So it's about a year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how young he was at first. You said he's 15. And he's 15. I didn't realize he was that young. Um, yeah. And, and I love how you talk about that it's more than a book about learning the craft or a person's experience learning the craft, because I noticed the growth of Jonathan right. from the time we're introduced to him till the, the, the last chapter. And I love how you said it's about mature, it's about growing up. And as you were saying that, I was thinking it's also, he was a very introverted person and he was very tight knit with his family. Mm -hmm. not very much involved with the folks in town or other people around, but he grows as that the story goes on. He, yep. One of the things I've noticed about, I guess, myself and other, can, can other pagans and witches and, or just uh, people who are, are different in general. I think a lot of us um, stay to ourselves and, and we start to meet, uh, meet our people and we start to meet people who, who want to help us and and people who, you know, co-workers, neighbors, friends, and they change us. So, you know, one of the things I like about Jonathan is that he's changed by the people he comes in contact with. So he's not just like, oh, I learned a spell, the end. No, he's, he, it changes him and he changes others as he goes on his path and things. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, the interesting uh, parts about this is the, the craft that he was learning as it went along. So how did you select which which parts of the craft you wanted to focus on and bring into this book or into the story? And is it based on your own personal craft work or kind of a little bit from different crafts that you worked with? <laughs> so it's all the my craft and traditional witchcraft. Like in everything that Jonathan learns, I actually have learned myself and teach and things like that. Um, there's certain things I I decided to talk about. I wanted to talk about a few of the most introductory things, like what's a stank for, and you know, a cauldron, and things in a spirit uh, familiar. But a few other things, like the spirit box and the spirit healing, things I don't see a whole lot of that I wanted to teach because you know the thing about a spirit box is like every time I hear someone talk about it they make it sound so hard and it's one of the simplest techniques you can ever uh, do and it's found in several traditions you'll see spirit box in, in witchcraft and you'll see it in like hoodoo you'll see it in, in all kinds of, of uh, magical practices what else do I talk about? Fairy magic. A fairy magic is something that I've learned from um, my tradition, but we learned it from a different way. It's more channeling fairy energy and fairy magic and things. Um, what else is in there? <laughs> Just trying to think. Um, well, but one of the, the the interesting chapters that you talk about, which I thought was really fun and interesting, was the Mother Goose chapter. 
yeah, that's fun. <laughs> and really makes you really want to think outside the box for creating and working spells and magic. Yeah, so that was an interesting thing, too, because so Mother Goose was always something as a kid I felt was kind of dark. I always felt that Mother Goose was dark. You know how many people die in the rhymes? (laughs) So then my teacher says, okay, so you know about Frajolda and things like that. Mm-hmm. One of her totems is the goose, right? Yes. So that's for Holda. And I remember my teacher telling me this. I'm like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. And then again, my teacher were just like, these are spells, you know, like a curse is Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And I'm thinking, oh my God, it is a curse. Um, you know, there's also love, healings and love spells in there. There's protective magic. And, you know, the rhyme was a crooked man who had a crooked this and that. Um, that's uh, talking about the devil himself. So it's it's fascinating, and one of the things I hope that people uh, do after reading, especially that chapter, is I hope they get a book of Mother um, Goose and just experiment with those spells. Because it's actually kind of fun. It seems like it would be. So, so my follow-up question to that uh, is, and thanks for sharing that process of bringing those in, is did you put them in a specific order in the chapters purposefully or did it does it matter in what order they might pick up some of these tools or did you want to lead them to like build their tool their quote-unquote magical tool chest uh, in a progressively to build upon it you know he this is the easiest thing to grasp let's build that up so that by the time you get to picking up a spirit box or working with fairy or something like that, you have a lot more experience and, and magical stamina or strength, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I would say the first three or four chapters I did on purpose because it was like your foundation. So it was like the, the, the pitchfork and then the cauldron and then the spirit familiar and things like that. Then after uh, that, I only picked them because of the, that's where the story was going. Mm-hmm. It, it was just the story was going in that direction. And I was trying to be true to where Jonathan was going. You know, I didn't yeah. want to like force a, a, a square peg in a round hole, you know, mm-hmm. I was trying to like just authentically let the story reveal itself, you know, and I have to say that was kind of fun because when I started the um, book, I had no idea where it was uh, going to uh, go. The the book kind of wrote itself. No, well, great. I, you know, I was just kind of wondering. It seemed like there was like a progression of things, especially like you said at the beginning. Well, these are very foundational. These are tools that every person starting in a craft should probably have or be familiar with or be working towards uh, kind of just like like the magician card do you have the basic things on the table right and then you can um, probably if that's all you had you can lead a successful life and then our magical work 
and then it just progressively went on in very interesting ways it has a very interesting development the story does uh, with some of the the neighboring town so um so here's a couple of my favorite chapters in the book i love the story of the gate so the ghost in the gate <laughs> really cool and i really found uh, do you think we can share the purpose of the gate sure 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 uh, i really loved the the explanation in the book about the gate how it um protects how it it does protect your property or protects the, the household uh, and I, I love that you brought that out because i think sometimes people forget that we we forget that i forget that sometimes yeah and i'm not very conscious of protecting our windows and our doorways which can come and uh, allow energies in in and out of our 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 safe hold so that was really cool i loved it i love the story around it too yeah um when i wrote that it was almost like an accident i wanted to write a ghost story but i also wanted to be authentic to because it takes place in halloween i wanted it to be authentic to what was happening in in halloween 1870 and um this doesn't give away too much but one of the the most common pranks is to steal someone's uh, uh, gate, and then I thought, well, you know, if you do that, that also has some magical reper uh, repercussions. So, uh, literally, all hell breaks loose after that happens. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And there's things that happen later. It's not just a one-off thing. There, there's other interactions about that that you see later in the story. So I, I love that as well. And I did like how the chapters weren't just like one and done type of things. Like, oh, I'm going to talk about how you have a pitchfork. And then it's You're done. done right. right? <laughs> Uh, it carries over into the rest of the story as do the lessons that he learned and everything else. So that was a really great way to pull all of those through and, and help, uh, I think to see Jonathan in his growth process. My other favorite chapter was the stories in, or the story of his visit to the fairy land. So <laughs> fairies in the like woods. That, too. that was fantastic. Uh, so well done there. Thanks. And, uh, I don't know. I think I might have been with him thinking, do I really want to leave this great place? <laughs> I want right? to stay in the exactly. land. Okay. I want to hang out here. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that's, uh, so we've talked about so much of the cool stuff about the book. What, did you feel any challenges or you said you, you worked with a lot of ancestors. Did you find mm -hmm. that some of them were like, you know, I really don't want you to do this. Or did you find any stumbling blocks or writer's block? periods that were kind of difficult and not at all it just like i said it wrote itself and i wrote the whole thing in like four or five weeks like it just flew by um it was easy you know from one of the things i talk about with my magical friends is that everything's published now like almost everything there's i think now you know i i feel like there's a lot of books that just regurgitate the same thing over and over and over again but now i think that you know we're in a different generation we're in a different time and so now i think a a teacher's job is to find a, a way to teach these things in a way that the new generation 
enjoys and understands, you know, because like literally everything is published. So I wasn't afraid of like revealing a secret or anything like that. And to be honest, one of the things I've learned about working with the ancestors is they want to talk. They want you to hear them and be with them and commune with them. And, you know, it's kind of like if you've ever spent any time with elderly people and you say, how are you? They will tell you a two-hour story. And it was kind of the same thing. It was just a flow of, of conversation, of energy, of pictures, of images, of feelings. And, 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 and to be honest, I don't think... I, I could probably write about two more books about Jonathan if I wanted to, which I still might. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the back of the book, the second part, and mm-hmm. and we don't, you know, and you know, it's pretty straightforward. So yeah. you know, there's not a lot really to dwell on over it. But you did include uh, the the spells that Jonathan used. Did these come out of your practices, or did did did, did they? evolved just a little bit because of the book uh you know like i'm not saying did you make them up out of your head you may have but uh, <laughs> but i'm just saying you know were they things that you tweaked a little bit to visit or are they just like straight on from your no, practices they're straight from my practice uh, basically the thinking about you know especially in traditional witchcraft you don't have this this whole this technique has to be exactly this way. You can be creative with it. And to be honest, I didn't I didn't add a whole lot that these are things I I do all the time. That these are techniques I teach people. What you see is exactly how I do it. So That's great. And you know, one of the things that I really loved about it, Chris, is that you used things that people might have around the house already. <laughs> well, exactly right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're like some people that say these are my ritual tools and that's it. They're you can't you can't do magic unless you have specially only dedicated ritual tools. And that's all they've ever been for and that's all they'll ever be for. But I really love that you brought it into this is just reality. We're going to use tools that are on hand. Right. And and I, I did that for a few reasons, because in traditional witchcraft, you, you didn't have a separate cauldron or a separate this or a separate that. If you had a cauldron, that's literally all you had. That was it. The other thing is, is and it's kind of annoying, is, is that, you know, anytime you see a spell, it's, you know, especially if it's from um, Europe or England or, or wherever, those are the herbs from that area. Mm-hmm. It's okay to use herbs from your area where you live. And so, however, you know, if we do have, you know, online shopping and, and herbal stores, and so we do have a large selection, but if you can find things, ingredients or candles or or spices or whatever in your cabinet, use that. It's just as powerful and it's fine. You know, when I was first doing spells like long, long, long time ago, I remember like 
Juniper berry? Where do I get juniper berry for? And I thought, oh, if I don't have juniper berries, the spell won't work correctly. Well, we know that's not true, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but at the time, if, you, if you're a beginner, you know, the only thing I say, the only thing I I think holds fast and true is anytime you use a um, a graveyard dirt, there really is no substitution for graveyard dirt. You got to go to the cemetery. You got to dig it up. You got to give the offering and so forth. So other than that, I change things around all the time. Yeah. Well, I have a question. You talk about Jonathan meeting the devil. Now, Mm -hmm. some people are probably going to maybe be a little bit nervous about that particular vision of this character talk about a little bit about who this character is in the book and what he he he, they represent if you don't mind so one of the things to know about like folklore traditions traditional witchcraft things like that is there's two different ways of seeing the devil the first way is that you have to remember they didn't have books on paganism back then and if they did it was like greek mythology whatever and so if you heard the priests or the church fathers and things like saying oh the devil has hooves and horns and he lives in the forest if you saw the horned god of the witches with his hooves and horns, you would think, oh, then that must be the devil that the priest was talking about. So it's just a word, and it's a word that they use, because if you go back and look at the witch trials, they definitely use the word devil all the time, but I don't think they meant Satan. I don't think they meant an evil person who wants to to, to harm others. I think it was a folkloric uh, term for the horned god. That being said, the other way to look at the devil is is that a lot of people would call a trickster spirits or 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 mischievous spirits devils. Kind of like how in England, um, back in the Middle Ages, they called all spirits fairy. Mm-hmm. Same thing, like all spirits are devils. So, like, for example, whenever you hear the stories about the devil at the crossroads, it's not Satan. It's a, it's a trickster spirit who the uh, town folk, without knowing what else to say, call it the devil. So there's a two different ways to see it. Uh, for Jonathan, I don't think he cares either way. Um, my opinion, I think Jonathan sees the devil as the horn god of the witches. He doesn't just, he doesn't know that he's called, you know, Karanunos or Pan or something. He doesn't know that he knows that the priests say the devil. And so that's what he calls them. Excellent. Great explanation of that. I appreciate that. So, and that's that's the that's the sense I got. Plus, it scares people, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, what do you think are some important or some things that people can take into as they start reading the book? Um. So, I would say the book is supposed to be an experience for the reader. So. You know, one of the things I think is important about magical teachers is is that they provide a student an experience. 
And so when Jonathan is telling his story, he's sharing an experience. He isn't just saying, okay, take the candle, light the candle, throw the herb down. He's not just saying that. He's he's giving context. He's giving backstory. It's also his uh, thoughts. This is what I was thinking. This is what I was feeling. Um, one of the things that I have a gripe about a lot of magical books is they give you the formula of spells, but, but they don't teach you how it works. Like they give you the mechanics of it. Like, oh, it's the astral and the energy and it's the ethereal and blah, blah, blah. But they don't connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think Jonathan really connects the dots. I was thinking this. Here's my experience. Here's how I felt about it. Here's how I felt physically, emotionally, mentally. Here's the outcome. Here's how this works. Here's how this doesn't work so well. And so when you're reading the book, think of it as a journey, you know, and and the journey is happening to you at the same time as Jonathan. That's a great way to express that. It is a journey. And I felt the journey as I was going through it. (laughs) I'm just going to try to recommend that people get the actual print book. I read it electronically. And it's great. I really enjoyed it. But I really feel like and think that having it as a a tangible book will enhance the experience of reading it and going through it. And it will also make it easier to flip back and say, now what happened back here? Or where's that spell? Or how did he do that? (laughs) Then scrolling. You know, (laughs) one of the things I did, um, all the design, I had a strong say in. So, like the color of the book and the design and the and the feel of the cover, is is authentic to eighteen seventy. Mm. Also, the print. I'm not sure about Kindle, but I know on the actual print of the book is the exact same print that was often used in eighteen seventy. So I made sure, I made sure that the the picture on the uh, book, the color of the book. The uh, printing, I went as far as the page and numbers. That design at the bottom is also authentic to 1870. So I made sure I did a a lot of research to make sure that it could be as authentic as possible. Even the font, even the font on um, on the cover is authentic to 1870. That's excellent. I, I know that. it was fun to do. I love to do stuff like that. Well, it definitely is a very subtle influence. I wish I could I could have changed the copyright date to copyright 1870 because that would have been cool. <laughs> However, I don't think <laughs> legally you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and did they have ISBNs in 1870? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> small thing. Well, <laughs> that's cool. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining me. And where can people find the book? So you can find the book at crossedchromebooks.com. You can find it at your local bookstore. Hopefully you have a local bookstore close to you. I know it's getting harder and harder these days. You can always, you can, you can also find it on Amazon. And there, there is a special edition. What's, what is special about the special edition? 
So the special edition is a hardcover. I have one here myself. It's beautiful. It has like a gold um, for design on the front. It has a special inlay. It has um, the book markers. It's it's for people who like really enjoy a hardcover. It was funny because, you know, the book is called The Black Book of Jonathan, not Bristol. And the publisher goes, what color do you want the hardcover? I'm like, well, it kind of has to be black. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, you can be creative if you like. I'm like, no, black's fine. I like black, so it's fine. Chris, thanks for sharing about your process with the book and about Jonathan and for bringing Jonathan Nopresol into our reading experience. And where can people find you out on the webs? Um, I am on on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, C-H-R-I-S-A-L-L-A-U-N. Yeah, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please have a look at the show notes for links and, well, notes. Podcast is available from Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and other podcast catchers. Feedback and reviews are greatly appreciated. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at @weirdgifts1 and on Facebook at, at @giftsoftheweird and email me at giftsoftheweird.com. Thanks. Have a great day.